Hello, this is Pastor Rob Barber of Bethel Church in Tempers Plains, Ohio, where our mission is connecting people to God. Welcome to our podcast. I believe God will anoint this message to speak to you today because we do have this promise in Isaiah 55:11. My word I will send out and it will always produce fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. As you listen to this message, let the word of God penetrate your heart so it can accomplish all his will in your life. Enjoy this message. All right. Hallelujah. Woo. My goodness. My goodness. My goodness. You know what? <laughs> I was up last night. I was getting some good sleep. I'm not one that doesn't get sleep when I have to preach. Um, But there was a couple spots where I woke up in the middle of the night. And when I do that, I start thinking about my next day. While I was thinking about today, God said, pause. Make sure you pause. Make sure you take time and think about it. The next step. And so if I seem like I'm staggering or held up, it's not that I don't know where I'm going. It's just I'm pausing and allowing God to direct each word because I think he wants to say, thank you. I think he wants to say something. No, I'll come back to it. Thank you. Oh, I will take that mouse, though. Thank you. And so just know that I'm not having a, I'm not having a moment. I'm going to take time and pause and listen because I don't want to miss anything that God wants to say to us. Amen? Amen. All right. So we're going to get busy because you know as it is, and if you don't preach, and let's say you're not a pastor of a church where you get to preach every Sunday, what you'll realize is when you're asked to preach, you got to get it in on that day. It's not like Pastor Rob can get up here, and if he doesn't get all the way through it, he can say, okay, I, I got next week. I don't have next week. And so I have to remember. So if I, I'm not going to rush, because I just told you he told me to pause at spots. But I, as normal, sometimes I don't get through everything I want to get through. But I think I timed this one out pretty well today. So there's a lot we're going to do. I'm going to use some audience participation. So I will just let you know before we get there, just like last time I ministered, I used menti.com. And you're going to see a, a number up here at some point. Do not fill in things ahead of time, okay? Last time, a couple of you filled in the next question. So, like, there was a, a survey. You filled out the survey, but you also went ahead and filled out the next survey. Only follow along with what I'm doing, okay? Uh, but you can be prepared for that. If you have your device, there is a spot where we're going to have you go online with your phone. And you can go to menti.com, and there's some questions, uh, just a couple questions today. I didn't overload it, but uh, just know that I have some time for audience participation. And then I will be selecting one of you to come up, maybe a couple of you to come up and help me demonstrate something here today. So we're going to go in and get rolling. Today I want to talk about overcoming offenses. I want to start out with a little quote here. A bitter spirit will keep you from being a better person. And you can see there who said that, Woodrow Crowell. I did not know who this person was. I liked the quote. Think about it. A bitter spirit will keep you from being 
a better person. We'll talk about that more. But Woodrow uh, Michael Kroll, this guy was born, well, actually not too far off from my mom. He was born in 1944, but he's an evangelical preacher and a radio host. I was not aware of him. Some of you may have already been aware of him. But he was also the president and Bible teacher of the International Back to the Bible Radio and Television Ministry. And I think he hit it right on with this here. You know, God wants us to be the very best version of ourselves. Right? The version where he is the center of all we do. You know, many times to be the best, we want to be the best, we strive to be the best, but many times offenses have tied us up and made us bitter. Imagine tying a stallion to a post and telling it it can never run. That's what offenses do. They grow into a, a, a root of bitterness and they hinder us. We're going to talk about that today. I feel it's very relevant. Anytime I'm up to preach and I ask, I, I, I have tons of messages. I've preached for so many years. I have tons of messages. I keep them. And I go back and he said, no, you can't do, don't, no, no. Even when I do go back and find the old message that I'm going to speak, I go back and I say, what are you saying now about that? And I change it. But on this one, I just said, Lord, what do the people need to hear? And that's what I often do. Lord, what do the people need to hear? And he pointed me to this, offenses and how we deal with them. And that we not allow them to hinder us or tie us to a post that has nothing to do with our destiny. I will tell you right now, in our environment, it's not hard to see that there's a lot of people, just like your vehicle is fueled by some type of gasoline or diesel or something that's going to make it go. It seems like our environments, and I say environments because there's many, but regardless of what you're in, if it's work, personal, a different state, different country, wherever, it just seems like our environments are fueled by offenses. And I got to get back to that person. I get, I'm going to remember that person. I'm going to, I don't like what they, I don't like how they did. I'm going to get back to them. You know, it's funny. As much as we want to be strong Christians for the Lord, and we are strong in the Lord when we allow the spirit to have its way. We try to be strong spiritually, and that's great. We're supposed to do that. At the same time, as we're spiritual beings, we have emotions. We have feelings. And things happen, intentionally or unintentionally, that will offend us, hurt us. And we hold on to that. So, I wanted to go over the definition of offense. And as we go through this today, try to ask yourself some hard questions. And what I mean by that is, I, I, even working on this, I asked the Lord, am I in any of these? <laughs> am I in any of these scenarios? Is there someone I have been offended by? Or is there someone I've offended and have not made it right? And so don't be afraid to ask those questions because we only get better by asking the questions. So you see up here on the screen, offend, 
an offense defined here. Now, of course, this is Webster. Something that outrages the moral or uh, physical sense. Senses, okay? The act of displeasing or affronting. The state of being insulted, morally outraged, or morally outraged. Okay? You can go to the next slide. Um, oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. You've got it up there. That's, oh, there it is. I, I missed the AB. That's what I think. That's what I get for not looking at my notes, but um, you're, you're in the right place. And so when you think about being offended, those things, are, that's what offenses are, okay? So as we move forward, we're going to talk about this. You can go to the next thing, the mentee. Now, I told you we were going to have some audience participation. Excuse me for one moment while I get this computer back up. Be right with you. Okay, you can move to the, uh, the stage view. So if you would, please log into Menti there. Hmm. See if that shows right. And uh, a little bit you can't see there, but it says the greatest offense to me came as a result of, and one of these four things, someone's words, someone's actions, someone's belief, about me, my misunderstanding. If you can log in to Menti and start filling that out, I'd like to just see what the results are, yes. You can't see, oh, the code? You, so the code was 74904011. It was on the slide before. But 74904011. Ooh, those words were up. Okay, going back and forth between words and action. All right. Great. So you can see how that pans out there as far as uh, anyone who's doing it in here who's responding. Number one offense came through words. We have some powerful words that offend folks. We don't realize it sometimes. And then our actions, someone's misbelief about me, and my misunderstanding. We're gonna talk about each one of those. Awesome. Okay, you could go back off of that slide. Thank you. So, offenses manifest in several ways, and so, not to be surprised, I wasn't surprised to see words up there, 
there's only so many activities that can take place that will cause an offense. So definitely our words can be offensive. But that's one of the number one areas, the words. Things that you've spoken or spoken to you, what you heard, how you have interpreted them. Now, before we go into this scripture, I want to make sure we're mindful. You can offend someone, and someone can truly feel offended by something you've done, and they could be wrong. <laughs> you could have done something that shouldn't have offended them, right? But for the person who feels offended, it's real. So to address it doesn't mean that you're saying you did something wrong necessarily. It can be a clarifying moment. Time to actually talk. You know what is so funny? We're a family. Now, I will tell you, I'm, uh, I'm not going to say I'm one of those naive ones, but when I say I have a church family, for me, that has always been a strong bond. You are family. And I really mean that. To the degree that some people would say, seriously? Like family? And for me, you are family. But it's amazing we don't talk enough. We don't really talk about what matters. If I said something you didn't like, you sh we should be so much family, just like you might do with your own family. Maybe you don't do it with your, own, with your biological family or your, your uh, family, uh, you know, your uh, immediate family, um, biological or through adoption, whatever that is. If you don't talk to people, you don't resolve things. And for us to be family, I should be able to say, look, I know you didn't mean anything about calling me bald-headed. But uh, for me, I have a little issue there. And if you could not do that. I had a guy who called me Fat Albert. Seriously. Now, listen. Oh, gosh, if I start telling too many stories, I'll run out of time. But I didn't plan, to, I didn't plan this story. But seriously, I had this certain person who was a board member. Cool guy, he liked me, but he would say, oh, how you doing over there, Fat Albert? <laughs> and he would just say ornery things, and I love the brother. But actually, I had to tell him, I said, hey, you know, when you say that, I know you're laughing and playing, and I laugh with you. I said, but really, that doesn't make me feel good. He said, oh, I didn't mean anything by it. I said, well, I understand you did. And I said, but listen, I struggle with my weight for the longest. And I don't like being big. I try to lose weight. So when you say that, that doesn't encourage me. He hasn't said it again. But I didn't get mad at him. I didn't say I'm not talking to him again. I didn't put him all out there on the outs and say, you're done. I had to tell him. Because I knew there's too many other areas where he gives me, he gives me so much shine, praise. He, he just loves on me in so many areas. And he brags about me all over town. And so I knew he wasn't intentionally trying to hurt me. He just didn't realize what his words were doing. I had to stop for a moment and say, look, you realize. So we have to be that type of family to where we can, instead of getting mad, instead of going to cussing somebody out first, notice I said first, no, never cuss somebody out. We should never cuss anybody out. But seriously, we should go and say, look, don't say that. Do you realize what that means when you say that? No, I didn't. Sometimes it's just they didn't know. 
All right, so I'm getting ahead of myself. But anyway, our words have the power to really mess people up. In James 3, which you see up there, James 3, verse 2 through uh, 5, I'm just going to read that there. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man. Now, I know we got some people out there perfect, but most of us are not. Um, I'm joking. No one's perfect. The one who was perfect is seated at the right hand of the Father, right? But a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large, are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. I want you to keep in mind when that pilot, let's let just trigger the pilot desires. Because we'll come back to that. Who's, who's turning your ship? Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. It's a little member, but it boasts great things. Our tongue has the ability to build up or tear down to speak life or to speak death. And you can do it in a flip of a moment and not even realize it. Why? Because the enemy, the, the adversary, our adversary, the accuser of the brethren, he has a language that he speaks to all of us and sometimes, based on our words, we align with him. If we align with him, we reinforce what he is saying about someone. Fat Albert, I'm fat. I don't look good in a suit. I told Alan earlier and uh, Sister Janice, we were laughing and, uh, because uh, they said, oh, you just got all done up for today. I said, listen, this jacket covers a multitude of sin. <laughs> hey, I'm honest. I don't necessarily want you to see some dimples, you know, so hey, I put the jacket on. It makes me look good, right? Thank you. Thank you. Now, listen. I don't want you to think I have some complex about my weight. I know I look good. No, I'm teasing. No, seriously. No, that's not true. But I'm telling you, I'm able to talk about this because I have it in the right perspective. But what I'm trying to say is this. If we do not guard our words and manage how we speak about people in their presence and outside of their presence, we might align with what the enemy is already saying. And it's not good. It's, I'm looking to see if Jayden's in here. I love my daughter to, so much. I said I wasn't going to use her, but my daughter is a very caring person. She has a big heart. She, she, seriously, at a very young age, she was one who would know if someone was sad. She would know to pray for somebody because they were feeling bad. But as she's grown up, a lot of times she says the, the negative side of a thing, okay? And so I had told her, I said, I want you to start saying positive things about people. You know, instead of someone saying, look, uh, uh, oh, look, I got a B plus, and she said, oh, you missed an A. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that type of thing. It's like praise for what people are doing. Uh, and, and, and look at the thing you can use to build someone up. Because the accuser of the brethren, he's busy. He don't need help. Right? 
Now, and I've noticed over the last three months, she'll say, Daddy, you look good in that. She'll say, oh, Ma, that's all right. You'll get it. She started shifting, but I had to bring it to her attention. Amen? So be careful how we speak. So I got to really move it here. So I'm talking about different uh, offenses will manifest through these different channels. Words. So we talked about that. Things that you've spoken, things that you've heard, and also things that you interpret that people have said about you. Now, here's another thing. You got to remember, when you come into the middle of a conversation, you have not heard the whole context of what, where words are placed. Words can be placed in a way, and people love taking snippets of your words sometimes, too. And so they can take a snippet of what you, you might walk into a conversation and only hear a piece of it and think you understand what's going on. And you can be offended, but you might have missed something. So let's not be too easily offended. Another way that we have offenses come is through our actions. What one does or doesn't do. So I could say action or inaction. What one does or doesn't do. Now they saw me standing here. And they came right up and hugged Sister Ivy. But I noticed they didn't hug me. What, do I smell? I took a shower. You know? I remember one pastor used to tell us that he would get to the back of the sanctuary very fast after he was done. He wouldn't even stay up front to minister. Uh, because he had gone to, the, he had a tradition of getting back there. But people, he had missed some people who left before him. And he didn't get to shake their hand. And they were offended. Now listen, I'm not telling you jump through hoops because people are offended over silly stuff. <laughs> okay? But people get offended over the silliest things sometimes. So our actions, actions or inaction can cause people to be offended. Sometimes we don't even realize how we look at somebody when they say they did something. You know? Somebody can say, Oh, we, my husband and I, we just got this beautiful car, and we just love it. And it's, it, it, it. Oh, okay. Just that little bit says, uh, uh, you? That's what my face just said. Uh, okay, you got a car. I don't know if you've been there, but some, sometimes you say something, and people look at you kind of like, that's weird. <laughs> I'm going to tell a little story now. And I don't say this, I don't say this to, uh, to um, let's see, I don't say this to brag or anything, but it's, it's funny. This one person, I, I told them to come see me. They hadn't seen me for a long time. I mean, they just hadn't seen me for over five, six years, but they were in town. And I said, listen, here's where I live. Come see me. And uh, I was waiting for this guy. And he didn't show up. He, I just wasn't ringing the doorbell. I didn't hear anything. And so finally he calls me. He says, man, did you give me the right address? I said, yes. And he says, uh, I told him the address. He says, okay, well, dude, this can't be right. I said, why? He said, I, what I'm looking at, this thing has four car garage. It's a big house. Out here on, what's the address again? I said, is it, you see four garage? Yes. I said, you see big windows in the, in the back? He said, yeah, I think I did, because he went down past. I said, okay, that's my house. Oh, okay. 
What does that say? I know you, Otis. You don't live there. He wasn't trying to be mean, but he just automatically knew he went to the wrong place because I know Otis. I could have got offended. That's fine. He doesn't know me. He didn't know I had different positions since we've been together. Yeah, I had to rub nickels together back in the day. That's all great. But bottom line is sometimes the littlest thing you do could cause an offense. Let's not be that. Another way that it comes through is through uh, inference or projection. Now, some people, when I talk about this, they don't understand what I'm, I, I, when I say this, I'm talking about like if I'm at work or I'm talking, yeah, I say don't project. And I'm going to try to illustrate what that looks like. But basically, we internally believe we will offend people by what we internally believe or attribute to someone else. I'm going to give you an example. So, AJ, would you do me a favor? Would you come up here? This is an illustration I used years ago, and people said they absolutely loved it. You're going to have to really hold that. Okay, so AJ, let's see for the cameras. I won't go that far down. So, yeah, great. You stand right there. AJ, angle it up a little bit and to your left, your left. Good, a little more. Good, right there. Good. So, I've got this thing. Now, imagine this. All my life, I have been hearing and having it reinforced that Otis is a horrible person. It says horrible person, right? Horrible person. Over time, if I hear that and I start believing that about myself because I heard it so many times through those words, through those actions that can harm people. And so what happens is over time, as I've been offended so much, I start holding on to this. And this is what I see in every scenario as I approach you at work, as I approach you in my profession, as I approach you in a leisure time, just hanging out. I'm mindful because I've been so ingrained that I am a right. And guess what happens? We start to project that on other people. I assume that any engagement that I have with you, you too are going to speak to me as if I'm a horrible person. Right? So now, the funny thing is, this side says horrible person. This side, which I'm focusing on the side that says horrible person, can you see what that says? It doesn't make sense, does it? So to you, you still have time to assess who I am. You have no preconceived notions of who I am. You don't see horrible person. I see horrible person. Now the projection part comes in this. I'm looking at this side that says horrible person. You're looking at the side that doesn't say it. But as I look at you, down a little bit please, down a little more, right there, now, if you can see what's in here in this mirror, as I'm looking in the mirror, it says horrible person. The two meet. What I see here says horrible person. What I see in that mirror says horrible person. So what do I think AJ thinks about me? 
he thinks I'm a horrible person. Let me give you an example of dialogue you might hear if you're projecting onto someone else what you've been ingrained, what has been ingrained in your thinking. I'm a horrible person, and even there, as I'm approaching this person I'm about to have a conversation with, I can see even they think I'm a horrible person. AJ's actually looking at me and saying, I don't know what we're about to talk about yet. Right? Right? <laughs> right? right. You, don't, you just don't know. But watch this. AJ may ask me a question, and this is how I filter it through what I believe, my preconceived notion. AJ may say, uh, man, you guys give Jayton candy? And I might be thinking, okay, I'm a horrible parent. I didn't make sure she brushed her teeth this morning. Is that what he's trying to say? <laughs> no, I haven't gotten her in to see a dentist in a while. And I might respond to him, yes, AJ, every now and then she has candy, and I know she doesn't brush her teeth. I've got it covered. Right? Because I'm a horrible person, and look, it says horrible person over there. AJ doesn't even know what I'm tripping about right now. AJ would come out, and this is how it happens. AJ say, hey, hey, back up. I, I just bought her some candy, and I didn't want to give it to her without asking you first. Oh. Oh. I, I understand. Okay. I, I'm so sorry, AJ. We do that in so many conversations. We do it with our spouses. We do it with our children. We do it with our coworkers. We assume, and even if you had an argument with someone before and you haven't fixed it, it could be from years ago, so every time you have a conversation, oh my gosh, here comes so-and-so. I know what they're going to talk about. They already think I'm difficult. So they say, did you, uh, thank you, brother. They say, did you, uh, did you uh, get to, did you print the slides? I didn't forget them this time, just chill. No, I printed off some for you. That's all I was gonna say is I printed off some slides for you. Why are you so touchy or so, it seems like you're bitter. Cause you're running those things in your mind. So offenses can happen based on what you believe and how you filter information that you're hearing. Doesn't mean the sender sent it. It means you're already set up to receive it. I was shocked. My sister used to date somebody. Well, actually, she dated him and then married this guy. And I'll tell you what, my dad and I wanted to take a baseball bat, literally take a baseball bat to this guy. Um, my dad was a fighter back in the day. I mean, seriously, he didn't stop fighting until he was in his 40s and 41 because uh, I saw him knock plenty of people out. He didn't pick the fights, I will say that. He didn't pick the fights, but other people did. But one day we were on our way to work. I was going to work with my dad, and he paused. He pulled off, and I said, what's going on, Pops? He said, son, I'm tempted right now to get in that trunk and get my bat and go over and see your sister's husband. Because he would beat up on her. Broke her arm one time. He just did some nasty things, and we wanted to just demolish this guy. I mean, we wanted to take him out. When she got free of that guy, you would think, okay, I'm free of that. I'm not going back to that. But she found another one who did the same type of stuff. 
Now, I love my sister. She's great. She's passed away back in 2009. There was something in her mind that said she can accept this type of individual because that's her worth. And they have to match, just like I said. Horrible? Horrible. Oh, okay. It does, even if it's bad. That's my station. That's what I get. That's what, I've, that's what I'm worthy of because of the choices I've made. I've heard I, you're no good. You can't do this. You can't do that. And those offenses that you did not address and say, what did you mean by that? What even gives you the right to say that? But if you just pass over, you just, then somebody else reinforces the same thing that you heard. You start thinking, huh, maybe I am no good, and that's, I can't get the good guy over there who loves his wife and treats her like a queen. I can't get that good guy over there that wants to hang with his wife more than his boys or put down the PlayStation. Can't get that good guy over there that believes he's supposed to go and earn a good wage and take care of his wife, opposed he has me doing it. What do we start believing because we don't address these offenses? And we start living our lives. Remember, at the beginning of this, it said, a bitter spirit will keep you, this is the, the quote, will keep you from being a better person. Yeah. All right, I better move through this. All right, so um, real quick, in Matthew 5, 29 and 30. Now, this part of the scripture I do have in King James Version. I'm sorry. I'm using this one because it truly has offend in there. There's some other ones that did not use the word offend. Um, and I did go into the uh, Greek, uh, to, and I'll share that with you in one moment. But right here, I'm using King James. So sorry for the these and thous if it's in there. In verse 29, Matthew 5, uh, it says, And if thy right eye offends thee, pluck it out and cast it from you, or cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that the whole body should be cast into hell. 30. And if the right hand offends thee, cut it off and cast it, in, uh, cast it from you. For it is profitable for thee that one of the members should perish and not the, the whole body should be cast into hell. I'm going to stop right there. Oh, wait, did I get this out of order? So I'm going to stop right there for a moment. So, you know, that sounds like drastic language. But here, this offend in the Greek is scandalizo, scandalizo. I believe that's how you, scandalizo, yes. Uh, I practice this, believe it or not. <laughs> S-K-A-N-D-A-L-I-Z-O. And basically, its derivative means to scandalize, to entrap, That is to trip up. Trip up. So, think of this. There's people right now who don't follow Christ because of fences that have happened in the church. 
There are people who are on their way to hell because, understand, just because they're in church doesn't mean they gave their life to Christ. They came to church and met people who say offensive things, intentionally or not. But those offenses have the ability, and understand, scandalize. It's scandalous. It's an entrapment. It trips up. Who is that doing? Who, who are you working for? Who have you been subcontracted by? The enemy. That's why it's using, hey, cut off that piece that's causing people to veer off the road or to be tripped up in their walk to pursuing me. Cut that thing off so that it will be away from you, but you won't go to hell. I know it's strong language. There's a serious account for tripping people up and causing them to go into bitterness because you are an ambassador of Christ. You are no longer your own. You can't just cuss out the waitress because your steak wasn't right. You know what? I wish some people didn't have bumper stickers. I really do. I'm like, please, if you're a Christian, do not put bumper stickers on. Because people see your deeds and then they're like, oh, that's a Christian. That's why I don't go to that church. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, I got to keep moving. But that's pretty significant. In that scripture there, I got other scriptures similar to it that's going to talk about that. Put away the offensive thing. Now, Yeah, let's pull up the next slide before I go on. This is going to be the same number. This is Minty again. Go to Minty and put in this um, 74904011. And you can switch to the stage for me. Thank you. And let me give some praise for a moment. Christy is on top of things, and I appreciate her. She got the ease. I don't know what time you got them. I emailed them last night. Tina did all. Oh, Tina, thank you, thank you. I don't know where she's at. Oh, you were out of town? All right, well, remember to give Tina some praise for doing that. She got everything in there. And like I said, it was like last night. Yes, give her some praise for that. So, if you, if you will, go in there. It says, offenses only occur in the lives of spiritually perfect people. And it's either or, pick one that you think is right. All people, sinful, oh yes, the number, 74904011. Or only sinful people have to deal with offenses. In a minute, I'll tell you the right one. <laughs> all right, all right. Cool, so there's a lot who feel it's 16, well, more feel it's 16. 
or uh, all people, the middle one. Great. And then the two on the right-hand side, the two on the outer side, I think they're countering each other because you'll notice nine and then seven. So it's giving you any one that was either to the right or to the left. And so the one in the center is correct. I don't care who you are. You're going to deal with offenses. Unless that, like that scripture where it said you're perfect in your words. But none of us are perfect, a perfect man. None of us are a perfect man or woman, right? So every single living being is going to be offended at some point. You have to learn how to deal with offenses. You don't get away from it. Thank you for that. All right, so I have four points that I want to highlight. Ivy, are you laughing because you don't think I'm going to get to them? Okay. <laughs> Hold on. Did you put my special juice in here? No. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm acting silly. So listen, here. All right, we're dealing with... Major pieces, there's all kinds of other things I could add, but I highlighted four areas that we need to look at regarding offenses. There is no offense-free life. That's why we just did that mentee. Listen, I can offend you doing spiritual stuff. I can offend you, Ivy and I can offend you with the lineup that we picked. With the songs, or maybe we didn't do it long enough. Maybe you cut off worship too soon. Maybe you didn't do it, uh, maybe you uh, went too long. Uh, maybe pastor said the scripture wrong and, and uh, forgot to acknowledge you. It's your birthday and nobody said happy birthday. Um, <clears throat> your kid's acting a fool. You know, it, it, you can be offended by everything. There's so much for you to be offended by. I remember one time I went to a church in Columbus, a big church, and I sat maybe on the second or third row. I still see that seat. But there was a woman who used to sit there all the time. And here, that was her home church. We were visitors. We were there for a conference. And that woman and I almost got in a fight. You know, the type of fight you see at the stadiums where, bam. I hit her a couple times and she backed off. No, seriously. <laughs> I'm joking, of course, but no, seriously, but this woman was like, uh, you're in our seats. I said, ma'am, nobody was sitting here. I'm in the, but I won't go through all that. This woman was serious though. No, you're in our seats. That's our, she ended up going somewhere else because I wasn't giving those seats up. I imagine if I go back there today, she'd probably be like, and that was over 25 years ago. <laughs> but bottom line, life is going to deal us offenses. There's no way to get around it. In Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, it says here, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love endeavoring to keep, listen to that, endeavoring, striving, if you will, pressing to keep the unity 
of the Spirit in the bond of peace. He could have said struggling, endeavoring, contending to. It's like, what? Now, the reason I'm sharing that is if he has to tell us that, listen, be prepared. Make it a goal to walk in peace and unity. That means that's something you got to be intentional about because there's forces that work against it. Right? Bearing with one another, tolerate, uh, deal, dealing with each other in love. <laughs> Same way you have to go. It's funny, Jayden, oh my goodness, the other day, she's getting to be such a great driver, but I realize as we do certain things that I still have to focus on certain areas. So we're going to get gas. It sounds simple. Before we get there, I say, listen, look on the dash and you can see where your gas cap is at. Your gas cap is on the right. In my truck, it's on the left. In mom's car, it's on the right. I said, now look at all the vehicles and pick a spot. Where do you need to go? Okay, I need to get gas. I said, yes, you need to get gas, but you got to know where to turn in so you can get your, your cap on the right side where the gas is. And she's like, okay. So we go around. We must have looked crazy to these people because we're going around and around. And then I said, pull over. She pulls over. I said, Jaden. I said, look at the open spots and try to figure out where you're going. She said, well, there's an open spot. I said, so what do you have to do with the car in order to get your right hip up against that gas uh, the, the dispenser? I got to go that way. I said, okay, let's go that way. She goes totally opposite way. <laughs> anyway, it was amazing. I ended up having to take over. Some guys were pumping gas and they're watching. <laughs> they were laughing. <laughs> They were just rolling. They were like, oh, man. I could tell they had that look like, oh, he must be teaching. So I realized I got to spend more time. So I ended up having to park the car. Reason I brought that up is I had to be very intentional and deliberate. We will not keep peace without being intentional and deliberate. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to brag on my wife for a moment. She does something in the praise team that I have to work to remember, which is kind of weird. Because when we first met, I was all about people. I'm the person who's all about people, people, people. I want to have people at my house. If 20 of you wanted to stay overnight at my house, I would be fine with it because I love people, people, people around. But it's weird. Over all this time, I was the one that would have been reaching out to you. Ivy does a better job reaching out to people on our praise team when they're struggling with something. And I'm trying to get better at it. But I just get so busy, so I forget. But Ivy will reach out and say, I talked to Bill and Joanne. I found out what was going on with them. I prayed for them, or I, I, I gave, gave them an encouraging word. And I'm looking at that, and I'm saying, uh, dog, I meant to do that. I meant to see how they were doing. Or somebody on the praise team does something that's wonderful, and she says, uh, oh, didn't they just do wonderful? I reached out to them this week. It might have been a Monday. It could have been a Tuesday. I reached out and told them how good they did on Sunday. And I'm like, that daggone show off. No, <laughs> no, but seriously, what I'm saying is that's intentional. You can't be passive and do those things. We got to be deliberate 
in making sure we reach out to each other and talking more. And Chris is back there throwing stuff. Chris got happy in the booth. <laughs> so here in Ephesians 4, that's what I'm grabbing from that piece, that no one is exempt from having offenses. Don't think you're going to get by. Just know that you're going to have them. The issue is overcoming them. That's why I titled it Overcoming Offenses. Not getting rid of them. We will have them. Anticipate them. Amen? And actually, I would even say, count it as part of the script. That's something I tell myself. It's part of the script. Your kids aren't going to be happy. You're going to say something to your son. It's going to make him mad. And he'll walk off and he won't say anything. And I say, well, I'm being a parent. That's what parents do. That's what kids do. Okay, we're doing our, we're doing our script. Okay? All right, so let's got, we got that out of the way. Number one, life has offenses, okay? Or there's no offense-free life. Number two, unaddressed offenses open doors for the devil. Now, remember in that other scripture that we were looking at, and I told you to keep this in mind, uh, you don't have to turn there, but in James 3, I read 2 through 5, and there was a spot where I said, uh, they turn by a very small, they're turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. I said that because the, sometimes the pilot is the devil. He will take the joystick to your ship if you allow him. I know, joystick. Because he wants to get in there and use your mouth and use your attitude and your behavior to drive your relationship where he wants it to go. And sometimes that relationship's not just with God, it's with God's people. If he can get in the middle of it, he will mess it up. So listen, we cannot avoid it. Now in 1 Samuel 18, 6 through 9, I'm going to read this this bit here, just because I feel it's, it's relevant, um, we, of course, we've heard this scripture over and over, but this is a specific part, and I want to show you how the enemy can get into something and mess with us and cause us to the one who is pursuing uh, resolving the offense in the wrong way, let's say, or leading them to bitterness, it will cause them to abort their mission. So in 1 Samuel 18, 6-9, this is about uh, Saul here, it says, now it had happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistines that the women had come out all the city of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy and with musical instruments. So the, woman, so the women sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Well, scripture we're familiar with. Then in verse 8, then Saul was very angry and saying, uh, and the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands and to me they have ascribed only a thousand. Now what more can, can he have but the kingdom? <laughs> I don't know how. His math is goofy. 
um, and then in 9, so Saul eyed David from that day forward. He eyed David. He was offended. He was upset. His math was off. His, 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 his problem solving was off in the fact that he assessed because David was being praised for killing 10,000 and he only slaying 1,000. Well, nothing else is left for David but the kingdom, and I can't have him have my kingdom. (laughs) You know, the scripture that talks about And I can't tell you the exact scripture. I will have to look it up. But it talks about he that wants to keep his life, he holds it too closely, he loses it. But he that gives his life, he has it. In the kingdom, things work opposite. See, where you overly... (laughs) Imagine a mouse in your hand and you just don't want to let it go. You don't want anybody to get your little mouse and I'm going to hold it. I don't know why. I th- oh, never mind. I shouldn't share this. Um, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. I'm having this thing now. I'm seeing Tommy Boy. If anybody saw Tommy Boy, <laughs> where he's got this muffin, he's like, oh, and he tears this muffin up. Anyway. I'm seeing this, if you got this mouse and you just don't want nobody to get your mouse and you hold it so tight that it dies, opposed to being gentle with it and relaxing the hand a little bit, that scripture, and I'll look it up for you, I think it's, I won't even guess, because I thought it was in John, uh, I'll find it before, before we over, I mean, if you can look that up for me, because I can't recall it, but bottom line is this. Anything you try to hold on to too tight, you're not willing to give it. Thank you so much. John 12, at least I was in the right book. Dog. So we want to not hold on to things too tightly. And the reason I share that is this. If any of you, I'll use praise and worship as an example. There, there, there's some people out there who get paid for doing music that if they let someone else up on the stage and they show them up, they're fearful they're losing their job. I've never been that type of person because I realize that any given time, somebody else can get up. For me, it's a party. I'm all about people. And so if somebody was to get up on the stage and do praise and worship and just do awesome, I'm not thinking, wow, they did better than me. I'm thinking, wow, they did a great job and led us into the presence of God. And I don't feel threatened because I'm not in my seat because of my talent. I'm in my seat because I'm obedient to God and it was my season. There's going to be a time that is not my season. And I'm not going to be afraid to let go because I'm, a, I'm aware of who's guiding me. And he's going to guide me to something else. Having that type of mindset is so liberating in the fact that now I don't have to worry about position. I don't have to worry about if you shared a better word than I shared. Next week, Pastor Eddie's going to be sharing. And I don't have to sit and he think, oh, I hope he doesn't show me up. I don't have to think that way. 
Because I uniquely do what God created me to do and nobody else can do it. Trust me. I'm not being conceited. I'm not being conceited. And I'm not saying I do it better than somebody else. I'm saying if I do it the way Otis was created to do it, nobody else can do it the way Otis was created to do it. That's why I should be able to be on the stage with 20 different ministers and not be threatened because they do it the way they were created. That person does it the way. Oh, fine, we all got a place. But Saul didn't see it that way. They said, David's 10,000. He's going to take my kingdom. No. We cannot allow ourselves to get caught up in those type of offenses. I want to tell you a quick story, and I'm trying to keep on time. I'm not, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm actually clicking through this pretty well. Ivy and I, when we bought our first house, it was over on Briarwood in Athens. We loved that little house. It was nice. Well, it was a little tiny, but it was about 1,800 square feet. But the thing I want to highlight is this. We had lived in other houses that had a lot of water pressure. And it got hot quick. When we moved into this house, we thought, oh, well, this house doesn't have strong water. I mean, it's just, it, it was kind of weak. And it took forever to, uh, to get hot. We lived in that house before, before this thing happened, what I'm about to share with you. We lived there maybe, it was when we remodeled the, the kitchen. And we lived there for, it probably was five, six years we had lived there, and we decided to redo the kitchen. And this plumber came and said, you know, your water pressure is awfully low. We thought it was normal. We thought that just is what the house, what comes with the house. That's just how this house is. He said, your water pressure is awfully low. And he went and started messing with stuff. And he saw this thing was all clogged up and had stuff in it. And he pulled it, and that water was like, boom. I mean, it was strong. We lived in that house for five or six years and didn't even realize it. Just tolerating it. Why do I share that? Because if you allow offenses to go unaddressed, it's like having your water line plugged up. You're getting drizzles of what God wants you to do. And you're fine with the drizzle. You still can wash your face. You still can run a pot of coffee. Takes longer. But imagine if you address that offense and say, I'm no longer letting the devil guide me. Listen, I could do another illustration, but the truth is, and Pastor has done this before when he talked about unforgiveness. When you are focused on someone who offended you and you make it your mission, which Saul did, chasing David all over the place, trying to get David, trying to take him out so he can't take what's mine. Who was running your country while you were running all over the place? The truth is you abort your mission so you can pursue the offense. That makes no sense at all. Does it? Do not abort your mission. How do we address those offenses? Part of it is what I already showed you, is when something happens, don't assume they meant it that way. 
We, ha- we come from different backgrounds. Maybe we're, we talk different. I've learned people speak in different timing. There's somebody I know that when they would call me and when they say something, they say exactly what they wanted to say and the phone's hung up. I'm like, dang, that was short. Maybe that's how they talk. In my family, when I'm, actually, exactly, when I met Ivy's family, my family is loud. Ivy's family is turbo loud. Okay? And they say stuff, they just, I mean, they just do so. I had to learn their system. But bottom line, if I don't stop and talk, this is why I made that comment before. We are family, but we don't know each other. I appreciate Brother uh, Vince. Uh, maybe three years ago, we went to Bob Evans. Vince called me up and said, hey, what's all this stuff going on about these race relations? I don't understand. Can we get together and have lunch and just talk to me about what the offenses are? What's, what is it we're dealing with? Not many people do that. We went to Bob Evans, didn't we, Vince? Sat there and we talked about some of the issues, some of the why, perspectives and why this happens and how this is viewed. What am I doing when we do that? We're removing the opportunity for offenses. He learns more about me. I learn about him. I understand where we're coming from. I don't say something out of line. If I do say something, I go and try to fix it. I better move on. But that's number two. Unaddressed offenses open doors for the devil. I already told you he's the accuser of the brethren, and he's looking to subcontract his duties. Amen? So we don't let that happen. Number three, unaddressed offenses alter our perspectives and leads to bitterness. Part of the perspective piece that I shared was what we, the example we just did of how we see things. There's offenses, and now we automatically assume someone's coming out of that type of mindset. You know, I will tell you this. If I had aught with you, we would have settled it, and I'd be done with it. I'm really like that. Ivy says I'm a duck. Water off my back. I'm too busy doing what God has for me to do to really get too held up in a little back and forth and something we, we, we don't have, uh, we're not connecting on. And so I'd rather just get rid of it, fix it, and go on. Okay? But here, if you turn to Esther, or it's going to be up on the screen as well. Esther 3, 5 through 6. I could have gone through this whole chapter. Uh, I won't for time's sake. But read Esther. It's, it's a good book to go back to. I want to focus on something that happened to this man, Haman. So in verse 5 in Esther, it says, When Haman saw that... Now, first of all, let me set it up real quick. This is that whole story about Esther. She she most beautiful. She became the king's uh, uh, wife. And um, Mordecai had found a plot of the uh, of enemy. There's, these guys were going to kill, try to kill the king. And Mordecai gave him a head up, a heads up. And those two guys got iced. I mean, well, they got killed. They got taken out. Bottom line, all that's done. And so then Haman was promoted to a nice level of, of administration. And so Haman was going all over the place, and people uh, would have to give him, they have to honor him as he was coming through the gate, and they would give him all types of props. Well, Mordecai uh, wasn't having it. Mordecai wasn't going to do it. 
And so here's a situation where uh, they're addressing that. So in, in here it says, when Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow or pay him homage, Haman was filled with wrath. <laughs> oh man, I could spend all day on that. Entitlement. When you think you're owed something, a lot of our issues right now in our country is because either side, whatever you are, I'm not into getting into politics up here, but some of the things that we look at, it all comes down to what we think we're entitled to. Haman thought he was entitled to people bowing to him and giving him uh, homage. And when that didn't happen, when you didn't give me what I deserve, he was salty. He was offended. So in six, but he disdained, he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had told him of the people of Mordecai. Now listen, he's upset with Mordecai. He didn't deal with Mordecai alone. This guy was so into himself, he decided, I'm going to take care of Mordecai's people. That's just ridiculous. Remember, I'm trying to get to the perspective piece. It will mess with your perspective if you don't address the offense. So much that he's going to take out all people because of Mordecai. Instead, Haman sought to destroy all of the Jews who were throughout the whole kingdom of uh, Asherus. I think that's how you say that. If it's not, help me later. Uh, the people of, uh, so that's the people of Mordecai, right? So I'm not going to go through all that. I do write down on here. Please read it. But bottom line, in my, I don't know if you put that part up there. I think I moved it off there. Uh, in my little notes, I said, read the rest of the story uh, and see what happened to Haman. I said, basically, it ends up with him impaled on a long stick. I figured I'd say it that way. I was going to say he was shish kebabbed or something. Uh, but um, anyway, I know, I know. I, I, I got to check myself. Really read that story because basically everything that Haman had in his mind. Oh, I did put it on. <laughs> I thought I took that out of the notes. Um, everything that Haman did was driven by his anger and his wrath and having been offended. He had an opportunity to speak ill. He went and, and, and formed this, this rod and this thing he was going to hook Mordecai on with his whole intention is I'm going to get him. But he didn't realize his anger was going to strike back at him and destroy him. So the same thing he created to kill Mordecai, he ended up being killed it's really a strong story. Another spot I want you to see is in Psalms 119, verse 165. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing causes them to stumble. Remember before when we talked about the terminology let me see if I have that here. Yeah, the terminology for, uh, uh, for offense. It talked about scandalize, entrapment, trip up, cause to stumble. Right? And here in this scripture it says, Great peace have those who love your law. 
and nothing causes them to stumble. If you are in his word, if you allow God's, God's word is going to put his character through you. And so there's things that people will do to you that you'll think it was intentional. But if you're permeated, if you've been, um, oh, what is it? Yeah, but I was going to say, what do you do with the food, Ivy? Um, you, you, marinate it. That's what I wanted. Yeah, <laughs> Ivy, Ivy will marinate some chicken, uh, I'm telling you. But um, if, if you're marinated in the word of God, you will hear things with a discerning ear. It's funny, my cats right now, oh gosh, I am running out of time. All right, I better hurry up. I, I am almost to my closing, but right now, just tell you a quick, quick thing. My cats love me, but when the God babies are over, I can be stroking my cat just gentle as all day long, but when the babies get too close, she goes into defense mode and she doesn't know. She'll scratch me. She'll draw blood because she's afraid of the girls, right? I could take just that behavior and I could almost choke that cat. Or I could say, she's scared. She is so terrified of these children because they're loud, they come running, they do stuff. And so what I'm saying is it's almost, look, it gives you the ability to look beyond the behavior and to see the heart. Amen? And that's what being in God's word, allowing yourself to be marinated will do. All right, I'm down to, yeah, I'm going to skip a little piece, but it's not significant. It's not that significant. Uh, number four, this is the fourth thing we should really do. Forgive or resolve, if you will, the offense to embrace God, what God, God's best for you. Um, so, again, when I talked about the unforgiveness piece, there's a lot of us running around still offended, still pricked from something that happened over 20 years ago. Some of you don't talk to your family, your siblings, or you just don't see them anymore. You don't care to talk to them. I'm not going to get into why or anything, but that hurts my heart when I hear about that, especially if it's something that could have been fixed. But when you go too far away from it, it's just done. It's, it's something that you have to deal with. Um, and it's harder as more and more time goes by because you start to build up like my, our drain or like our uh, water, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff built up in there and caused it to, the stream of water to be there and it just wasn't enough. Um, I'm going to tell you two scriptures to look at, but I'm not going to read them. Uh, yeah, so you see, you see them right up there. I will say, similar to the other Greek word that I had in this scripture right here, offense. Um, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they come. Let's just stop right there. I won't put up the rest of it. But this offense is similar to the other one, the scandal, but it's, uh, it's scandolin, scandolin, which is really close. And this one says, a scandal, a trap stick, a snare, cause to sin, a stumbling block. And then the last piece of it, there's another derivative of that word, which means to bend or bow. So 
Think about this with your purpose. To bend or bow. Offenses cause us to bend off of the line God has us on. The straight and narrow. Right? And I talked to you before. There's some people who do not give their lives to Christ because of an offense. It causes them to bend off of what God is doing and away from it, and it entraps us, and it stores us up for the enemy. Some people won't go into a church. They don't want to hear that you're a Christian. How are they going to hear Christ? How, they lose their opportunity. And so uh, you've got that piece. So that's Luke 17, 1 through 4, and you can write this down also. Matthew 5, 23 through 26 also deals with uh, this piece. And actually, um, yeah, so when you look at Matthew 5, 23 through 26, this is a good piece. Actually, I am going to go on and read it, and I will be done. Let's put that one up there. Thank you. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you are on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge, and the judge hand you over to the officer, and you be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will, be, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. That should be it on that one. So, it's so serious to God when you talk about overcoming offenses that as you're coming to the altar to worship him and you bring your offering to him and you recall, whoa, I still have it all with my brother. Oop, stop. He can't go no further. Don't bring me that gift. It's not going to be... It's not going to meet its potential. It's not going to uh, be a benefit. It's not going to uh, deliver what you think it's going to deliver. Stop right there. Go and fix it. And on your way, reconcile even in yourself. I'm going to make this right. Do it quickly before you hand it over to judgment. That's a strong scripture right there. Because God wants us to get it right so that he can continue to bless us and we can become the best we can be. Again, that quote from the very beginning, I'll end with this. A bitter spirit will keep you from being a better person. Amen? All right. Father God, we just thank you so much for this word today. We thank you for you speaking to us and delivering to us what we needed to hear. I ask, Father God, that we will be able to go back and look through these scriptures and glean from it how we're supposed to adjust our lives. Is there people out there that we have offended and have not gone back and said, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that? Or that have offended us and we have not uh, addressed it. We'd sit in there in unforgiveness and holding it to their account. Father, help us to walk beyond that and to forgive. I just thank you for it right now, Father God. Uh, that you will have your way and that we will arise above it. In Jesus, Jesus' name, we thank you. 
Hello, this is Pastor Rob again. I pray you enjoyed this podcast. What a blessing it has been to have you join us on this social media platform. If you would like more information about Bethel, please check out our website at BethelChurch.community. You can also follow us on our Facebook page at Bethel Church Tepper's Plains. Have a blessed day and remember, love never fails. 